Hey folks, welcome to episode number 14 of Our Kids Asleep. This is Jay Alejandro with... Maddie. And we're going to talk about a couple of lighthearted things, but before we get to it, I needed to talk to Maddie about something, so you're going to have to hear me out for a moment. As you know, in our great little town of Mills, we actually don't have a fire department anymore. We don't have a library anymore. We don't have an elementary school anymore like we used to. So it really feels like we're a parasite on the great city of Casper. And that is some kind of sweet balance that has been restored. Sort of like our punishment for being, I don't know, a wannabe city, maybe? Yeah. Like a, like a little city in progress. So my suggestion, okay, and I think this could be a very viable thing. As we have seen in Idaho, this has been tremendous. It's brought so much progress and national interest in the area that we could do something similar for Mills. And do you know what I'm talking about? Airbnb is renting out a potato in Idaho? You got it. You got it. That's why I married you, because we're on the same wavelength. <laughs> it's exactly what I mean. So, consider this. We have a great visual entryway into the great town of Mills, and that is... Mighty Mighty Eagle. Mighty Mighty Eagle. So, because that is the one asset that we are just saddled with, because I guess... We, we took it off some guy's in, uh, estate somewhere in Montana. What if we were to convert the Eagle into an Airbnb so that somebody could stay up there for a night in the illustrious uh, entryway of Mills? It would definitely bring in some much-needed revenue. And, and more importantly, public relations. Mm. Positive, positive public relations. I think we're on to something. So, if any of the council members out there in the great town of Mills are listening, there is an avenue for money. That was a freebie. That was a freebie, guys. I'm telling you, I'm, I'm full of them. I'm going to come yell at the city council meeting. We'll see <laughs> We'll see how that goes. Uh, no, I'll just be a, uh, an avid listener interested in how we can make our little town better. But there's one idea for you. With all that eagle talk, let's get the show on the road. What are we going to talk about? So we have three topics on the books. The first is the movie Get Smart, because we've just recently rediscovered it, and it's wonderful. <laughs> We're going to talk about Iowa Representative Andy McKean and his uh, defection from the Republican Party. And we're also going to talk about Coachella. Oh, lovely. And all the in, subjects therein. Yes, in, in throwback fashion. Because, in throw, yeah, that'll be our throwback segment. Because we really can't... Uh, as as Maddie and I have talked about throughout this this evening, we really have a hard time connecting with the current state of Coachella. Not because you know we we don't like what they're doing. I mean, it is what it is. But that's just not our thing. Not to not to discredit what's but going on. We'd but like to visit. We'd like to revisit Coachella of years past and sort of compare it to the Coachella of now and how it's different and how. How, why we feel disconnected from it now. How it's evolved yeah. into some, a whole new beast. Yeah. But, oh, before we get started, though, I want to talk about the wine we're drinking tonight. We yes. just received our spring of 2019 uh, Las Jaras wine box. It came on Friday, and I was super stoked that yeah. it came. Now, that is a hell of a sponsor that we wish we had because those guys are doing things right. Las Jaras wine, guys. It's awesome. It's Eric Wareheim and his friends Wine Line. And it's it's really delightful. They're they're really putting a lot of care into it's into fun. What doing, it's so. fun to get a box of wine every six months. Yeah. It's it's pretty cool. The one we're drinking tonight is called twenty eighteen Super Bloom. Uh referencing the incredible floor like flowers blooming um after the fires in California. Mm -hmm. Um this is a Cuvée Zero Zero. Um, it's and I'm I'm really glad you're saying that in the in the French. And yeah, me. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it's tongue twisted. Um, so there's like a little blur. So they send this like flyer with the wine explaining each wine and what what it's made of, um, and then sort of a little blurb about the experience of drinking it, which is it's very cool. I won't read the whole blurb. I'll just sort of summarize it. Um, it's their first ever zero zero wine. It says call it a nighttime rosé if you'd like. Drink it with food and friends. 
they call it a California table wine, but don't be fooled by the humble name. Super Bloom is complex, utterly unique wine that expresses the specialness of Love Ranch Vineyard in the Sierra foothills. So it's it's a great wine. I think it's... It really is. And, and I want to talk a bit about the reaction that we had to it. Uh, it was a fairly fairly new taste. I had not had a wine that tasted quite like that because yeah. it was very subdued. Uh, and my initial impression was that it felt like the, the red wine and the white wine mixed together sort of balanced itself out. Yeah. And there was a, like a kind of neutral clarity to it. I yeah. can't really explain it cause I don't have, um, they explain it in this other printout they sent. It says super bloom, a zero zero wine, meaning it has no added sulfur and no additions whatsoever. Mm. This wine is as special as a super bloom, a single vineyard mix of red and white varieties co-fermented to create one wine. So it is sort of, you do sort of get both things when you're drinking it, both yeah. the white and the red. Yeah, you and you can, it, not that you can taste them as disparate no. uh, elements, but mm-hmm. but rather they just kind of bounce off of each other. It's really yeah. interesting. Yeah. Um, but I, I'm not really too too far in, in my palate developments, yeah. you know, I, I might say so. It, it, yeah. It's it's a bit difficult but, to describe. It's it's great. But I would say that it's it's cool to be getting these these wines that are outside our comfort zones. Yeah. Um, yeah. It just sort of forces us to try new things and yeah. to explore new flavors. <laughs> because what were we talking about when we were going through the drive-through about about staying home? That that's what I prefer to do. <laughs> yeah, but but there there was something at the beginning where we were talking about how. What did I say initially? Oh. We were talking about traveling. Yeah. But what was uh, it, though? It was something like um, your ideal thing. Uh, I think it was a meme that I saw on, on Facebook uh, or something where it was an ideal meme of wanting to go somewhere else, you know, yeah. on like a faraway beach and enjoying yeah. the oh. the sun. And yeah. then immediately I just thought of you going, no, thanks. I'm no, fine. thank you. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to be in my PJs at home. I'm going to be nice and comfy. But in, in a way, I think that our experiment, and in particular this podcast, is has become an opportunity to reach out to the world and have it come to us in a way because we are very much homebodies and we like to still discover things and, and not be in a rut. But there is something about having that that gift come from you come from California, mm-hmm. you know, someplace that, you know, we still want to go. I think it would be great to go do some wine country trips, but it's it's just a great feeling mm-hmm. to be able to have that sense of discovery and not get in a rut about the kind of wine that we like or anything for that matter. Yeah. Because the world is at our fingertips now. Yeah. Yeah, Definitely. it really is. Um, but I, I guess we sort of have a, a half topic and, and one of the reasons we wanted to talk about something light like Get Smart is... Because the last couple of weeks, and in particular this last week, there has been a slew of tragedy just filtering Mm -hmm. through our feeds. And, you know, for example, I was looking on Reddit because we were trying to recap the week and see what kind of newsworthy topic we might be able to address or or try to discuss. And there was just so much tragedy and heartbreak and and sadness that I was not able to really cope with it. And I I just said, you know what, we're not going to cover something too serious. And we're going to focus on something slightly upbeat, heartfelt, and and maybe to encourage a bit more civility in the world. But looking at that fucking Reddit feed from the last week, you were looking at the Boy Scouts of America, you know, discovering that there was a lot of sexual abuse. There was the the Sri Lanka uh, explosions, which was completely devastating. And our thoughts are with all of those all those people who are suffering through that horrific, horrific event. Um, but just one thing after another, like that, just just complete and utter chaos. Mm-hmm. It seemed from this week. And even here, I mean, there there have been several accidents where fatalities are just nonstop, yeah, nonstop, and and that's just a specific Wyoming issue. But we are going to talk about get smart, and I'm going to shut up about sad things. But we recognize that pain, and we send a heartfelt thought of condolence to everything that's going on out there right and, now. And the the reason we're doing this, we don't mean to seem callous or like. We don't want to talk about it. Right. But I know that everyone's news feed looks like mine does. 
Exactly. And there's no lack of exposure to this, to the news. Everyone knows. You yeah. all know about the Sri Lanka bombings. You all know about the shooting at the synagogue that happened in California today. You don't need us to tell you that. Right. And we don't need to rehash what you already know. Yeah. So yeah. what we decided to do is to talk about something fun and heartfelt and... Hopefully we'll upbeat. be able to get a little bit of a smile given the current nature of things. But let's get rolling on Get Smart. So Get Smart's, I don't know, a little over 10 years old. Yeah, it or came 10 out. 10 years old. I don't know what year it came out, but... Let's see. Um, if you want the facts, I'm going to give you the facts. This started in 2008. That's when the... The, the remake came the out. The Steve Carell mm -hmm. version came out. Okay. Which is what we're going to focus on today. Right. Um, it's based on a 1960s uh, sitcom. Right. So the great Mel Brooks and... Uh, Buck Henry. Buck Henry put together um, that to satirize uh, a lot of the agent agent genre that was really popular in that time, uh, in particular, James Bond and uh, the Pink Panther series. And there's just a bit of that zaniness that that they kind of passed on to the Steve Carell movie. And I think that's why I love that movie so much. It's it's light and zany and a lot of fun. Yeah, and yeah, it has Steve Carell and <laughs> Anne Hathaway and Alan Arkin, David Koechner. Yeah. Dwayne the Rock Johnson. Dwayne the Rock Johnson. Um, Terry Crews. Who who was hilarious in that movie? I think everyone was really on point in that movie. Yeah, and it's just so you know I watched it when it came out, and uh, you know, and we it's it's on Netflix. Yeah. And well, what happened last night? We were just kind of fed up with the week. It was a really personally stressful week i was trying to prepare for some some stuff that was going on at work and i was really just genuinely emotionally exhausted and i didn't want to deal with with a lot mm -hmm. uh, at that time so we sat down we had a little bit a uh, bit of this wine and maddie was scrolling through and yeah i came across get smart and remembered how funny it was and, and said, what the hell yeah so we watched it and um it's just that movie still makes me laugh so hard that we I were, cry. Like, we were laughing out loud, and I, I stopped looking at my work because I, I took my, my homework mm -hmm. with me that, that night. Your work, your work home with you. you what know? did I say? You said you took your homework I with just you. had a sip of wine. I can't be this far along. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah. anyway, I, I was just still trying to process a lot of stuff from, from the office. But I just put that shit down, and I started focusing on, on the movie because it's one of those that, that really is contagious mm -hmm. with that, that lightness. Yeah. <laughs> but, it's just so silly like it just i don't know it's one of those and i you know i love steve carell you know i think we could have an entire episode just devoted to the office we might do that and also this is a, uh an offer to our good friends chris and ashley because we would love 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 to do a full office i did it again <laughs> we would love to do a full office episode where yeah. we just talk about some of the great things about about Probably, in my opinion, one of the great, one of the great uh, TV shows mm -hmm. of all time. Yeah, uh, and Steve Carell is just—he's so on in this movie. It's yeah. so great. Yeah, and he's even someone who you wouldn't really expect, Anne Hathaway. She has some. She's such a great straight man in this yeah. movie. Like she has really good moments as a straight man, and they work really well together. Yeah, and um, but see, this is the thing: is I. I wasn't really I hadn't been too fond of Anne Hathaway, but she's grown on me so much over you know the the last decade or so that I mean she is incredibly talented, but you know she was like a Disney girl mm -hmm. and all that stuff and and maybe in my mind you're like trying to downplay that in my see mind, and i've I've been a fan of Anne Hathaway since the Princess you, Diaries right because right. I'm a girl <laughs> <laughs> and that came out you know when I was a teenager right I loved that movie and I've loved her ever since yeah. But she is legitimately a, a top-notch actor yeah. and just really good at what she does, even yeah. back then. Yeah. So I apologize, Anne Hathaway. Uh, you've grown on me. Yeah. You're great. <laughs> um, there's just so, like there's just great moments in that movie that. Yeah. Well, you know, talk about some of the the tropes of of you know those agent movies because you do love Bond movies. You guys grew up. Yeah. And I think that's a great connection to make on this show. Is that? Yeah, I am a big James Bond fan. Um, yeah. I grew up watching them with my dad. <laughs> um, 
so that makes this that makes these movies extra funny to me. But I think so because you know where where some of that humor is coming from and this, what they're riffing on. Yeah, it's the same reason my parents, my family, and I love the Austin Powers movies because they're completely satirizing James Bond. Yeah, and it's it gets smart. Just has these great, you know, like the gadgets, for instance. Yeah. But what's funny and gets smart is that the gadgets just continually something they're yeah, yeah they're they're not functioning correctly or or what's his name why can't i come up with his max is his name in the yeah, movie max uh can't get them right and like the god that scene in the airport bathroom in the airplane bathroom oh when yeah he's trying he's trying to get his zip ties off <laughs> yeah because he was arrested by the by the air marshal and he's using like the the swiss army knife that has like a uh like an arrow, like a crossbow. Right. And he's trying to shoot it off. And he keeps... <laughs> he shoots his foot. He shoots his foot. He shoots himself <laughs> in the face. He goes through his ear. Oh it's like a God. it's like a minute and a half bit. And it, like, it has me on the floor every single time. And obviously the people outside the bathroom can hear him struggling. And right. So it's extra funny because it's potty humor. Yeah. And, <laughs> and I love that the the nature of the show, and I'm, I'm pretty sure that they took this from the original, is that the... The main character is is somebody who's never been out on the field, but yeah. that's his main goal. That's his passion in life to want to become a main field okay, agent out field there agent, yeah. doing the the difficult stuff. But he's not very good at it. So he has a lot of uh, theoretical knowledge, but he's never really applied. He's very it. So book smart. But there's not, so much. Yeah. yeah, there's so much there in in that that kind of conflict mm-hmm. that brings out some of that comedy. Yeah, but. Like the stuff with the, I don't know what what was what made me laugh. Um, so, oh, the the stapler thing though, that oh was hilarious. God. Jesus Christ. Okay, so yeah, so the Rock plays like the the top notch guy. Top he plays yeah. the the go to guy for the most difficult missions. Yeah. And Terry Crews is his like is the Terry, other Terry Crews and David Koechner are like his lackeys, kind of like yeah. they're like his like lap dogs. Like they uh-huh. always follow him around and stuff. But then and they get injured, right? Or he gets injured. He, yeah, he gets pulled out of the field for some reason. I can't remember. I think he is. gets injured. Yeah, I thought his identity got compromised or something. Oh yeah. Anyway, the, he's he's at the de- he's doing desk work and he hates it. <laughs> and he <laughs> that scene fucking killed that me. That scene right? where he comes in from trying to print something and he's like, <laughs> "The printer's jammed." You were the last one that he's talking to David Koechner. You're the one the last. <laughs> you're the last one that used it. And oh, you my. jammed it, and he's like. I didn't jam it. You go, you go fix it. And he's like, oh, that's how it is, huh? And he takes a stapler and he puts a paper on David Kector's head and he just, bam, staples. It was hilarious. Staples it to his head. I, yeah, I was on the floor. It was so irrational, like, just seeing that. And then Alan Arkin has to, like, pull that guy aside and, like, explain to him we don't jam staples into other agents' heads just because we're frustrated. (laughs) Even worse, like, Terry Crews at the end is, like, gently trying to pull the stapler out of his head. That was brilliant. Oh, man. But it's it's full of of just really, I don't know, ridiculous moments like Mm -hmm. that. Uh, but it's kind. Yeah, yeah. There, there's that that lightheartedness, and there's a scene that I thought was really moving when she was talking about her face. Yeah, I thought that that was really well done yeah. because you could easily just keep on going with the gags, but that's when they started getting serious about some of the stuff, like can having we, to change. Can we talk about it, or is there spoilers? The movie's like ten years old. Can we spoil that part? I don't care. We can okay. talk. Spoiler it's not alert. Avengers. I mean, I yeah, yeah. <laughs> so we'll like, be okay. We're, we're, we're talking spoiling about spoiling Endgame. It's fine. Yeah, um, yeah. She's talking about how she had to like change her whole face because her identity got compromised, mm-hmm. and she has this one line where she goes, "I used to look like my mom," mm-hmm. and we're over here just like yeah. bawling. Yeah, you know, because it's like, it's that it, it's that Anne Hathaway thing. She's really yeah, good at her fucking course. job. So yeah. you're like, okay, you're grounded yeah. and, and it brings a lot more meaning to that. Yeah. But I love, I love it that they do that is it can be as broad and as, as bombastic as, as you want it to be. But there's still, if you give us a little bit of that, mm-hmm. that emotional, emotional connection, the, the humor goes along. And way. it really mm-hmm. like blindsides you a little bit. Like you're like, oh my God. Yeah. Because it, yeah, it's, it was totally honest. Well, and, and then so there's nice. like, like just a second later, Steve <laughs> Carell's <laughs> character goes sort of like to himself. He goes, 
I used to look like three of my moms. Because <laughs> he used to, no, he, he said I used to look like two of my moms put together. Because <laughs> he used to be fat. He was, yeah, he was super, super oh, overweight. And so it was like that really heartfelt moment, and then just a split second. Yeah, later, yeah, you cut he it. Cu- you, he cuts in with that. Yeah, just holy perfect shit. joke. But I think that that was just a bit. <laughs> we laughed about that for like five minutes. It's like, Maddie is legit crying right now just thinking it's about so it. Funny. Oh my god! Uh, you're gonna have to cut this out. No, it's staying. All this shit's staying. It makes me laugh so hard. <laughs> Well, if you can't collect yourself, we're going to have to talk about something else. That's okay. We just have to, like, (laughs) bore it down by talking about Congress or something. No. Well, we're getting there. We're getting there. So we might as well enjoy ourselves. Oh, God. But, yeah, it's a great movie. It's fucking on Netflix right now. Like, watch it right now. Yeah, just go watch it. What are you waiting for? It's fun. It'll make you laugh. Yeah. Go throw your phone in the trash (laughs) along with this podcast and just reach for your remote control and and go see what uh, Steve Carell and Anne Hathaway are up to. Stop looking at BBC. Yeah. Just go watch that movie. Yeah. Go watch something that makes you feel a flutter in your heart. (laughs) (laughs) Hell, let's watch it again. Why not? We're not doing anything. Why not? It's just a fucking podcast. Oh, God. Okay, one more thing. I'm ruining all the funny parts, but <laughs> it it's doesn't fine. Matter. It, you're still going to laugh. The part where he, he's, he goes to blow dart one of the Russian guys and he inhales. <laughs> he gets it. And it goes into his throat. He can't even talk. Oh, God. Oh, God. It's so funny. Uh. <laughs> So, from Maddie, this will definitely be a resounding tink. Uh, yeah. It'll be a great a great movie to toast and raise our glasses to. Here we go. Go watch Get Smart, starring Steve Carell and Anne Hathaway. But we'll leave you with that little tidbit of happiness. And we will move on to something not so joyous, but very honest and civil. And I really appreciated it. I was sifting through my Facebook feed like an idiot, because I know we are told as grown adults, that we should not do that because it takes years off of your life. and makes you uh, less happy. It makes you less happy, but you, as an adult, I guess, should know better. Or, you know, at least filter out some of that, that negative stuff. But here comes this, this video of this gentleman from Iowa who is, re- I guess, uh, rescinding his... He's changing parties. He's changing parties. He's defecting. After, he said, nearly 50 years... Of being uh, a Republican, and currently he is the longest-serving Republican member of of his of the Iowa legislature. He said, "So he's been serving. He's been a registered Republican for fifty years. He's been a serving Republican for thirty-five years, and the longest-serving Republican of the Iowa legislature." Yeah, and uh, as you will see in that, if if you guys have a chance, maybe we'll link it in the. I think that's what we're going to do. We're going to link it in the notes for you. But check it out. It's a three-minute three-minute uh, speech that he did, and... Can I interrupt you for a minute? Yeah. Are we able... And I don't know if this is, like, a copyright thing. Mm-hmm. Are we able to play some of his speech in the podcast, or is that not something that we can do? I is don't that, know. I'm going to have to look into that. beyond our technological capabilities at this point? Uh, the well, only I'll, reason I'll I, add it in. The I'll only add reason it in. I ask is because... The speech is really moving, and we wouldn't have to play all of it. Yeah. So we're going to play it for you guys so that you can get a sense of what this gentleman is talking about, and then uh, we will come back to it. But just take a moment to listen. With the 2020 presidential election looming on the horizon, I feel as a Republican that I need to be able to support the standard bearer of our party. Unfortunately, that is something I'm unable to do. I believe that it is just a matter of time before our country pays a heavy price for President Trump's reckless spending and short-sighted financial policies, his erratic, destabilizing foreign policy, and his disregard for environmental concerns. Furthermore, he sets, in my opinion, a poor example for the nation, and particularly for our young children by personally insulting, often in a crude and juvenile fashion, those who disagree with him, being a bully at a time when we're attempting to discourage bullying, 
his frequent disregard for the truth, and his willingness to ridicule or marginalize people for their appearance, ethnicity, or disability. I believe that his actions have coarsened political discourse, have resulted in unprecedented divisiveness, and have created an atmosphere that is a breeding ground for hateful rhetoric and actions. Some would excuse this behavior as telling it like it is and the new normal. If this is the new normal, I want no part of it. Unacceptable behavior should be called out for what it is, and Americans of all parties should insist, should insist on something far better in the leader of their country and the free world. When I get home to Jones County, I intend to change my voter registration from Republican to Democrat and will be joining the Minority Caucus. This has been a very, very difficult decision for me and has only come after considerable reflection, much prayer, and many restless nights. I've been a registered Republican for close to half a century, a Republican office holder for 35 years, and the longest serving Republican currently in the Iowa legislature, and I'm very proud of the many good things that the Republican Party has accomplished over many years. I am also well aware that my decision will be a disappointment to many friends and colleagues who have supported me over the years. However, the time comes when you have to be true to yourself and follow the dictates of your conscience, and for me, that time has come. Thank you very much. So now that you've taken a look at what he really tried to cover, it, it clearly outlines a lot of the, the issues that we are having as a nation right now and how we are pigeonholing ourselves in, in this refusal to have conversations that, that matter without attacking. And that's the important thing is, is this gentleman has risked his, his career, I guess, in a way his career is completely over now as a Republican Potentially. politician. Yeah, it could be. I would say it's it's done in a, in the state of Iowa, honestly. <clears throat> well, he had a good run anyway, so right. if it is, it's not yeah. the end of the world. But it's but. incredibly noble because he took he took his position of of power. Yeah, considering what a lot of his party members are doing, which is even if you know they are not okay with what's happening, they are so concerned about their reelection possibilities that they are they're falling in line. Yeah. All of them, and they're not—they're not willing to speak truth to power, right? Because heaven forbid they speak out and say what they think of the yeah. president, and their constituents, mm -hmm. you know, turn on him, turn on them, right? And um, and that has incredibly poisonous effects, not just on you know from the top down. That's the only thing that really trickles down if you if you really think about it, because now. It's funny you mentioned that now we have a politician in Gillette who is looking to make what he's trying to do is he's trying to make sure that all of the the Republicans or the same party members are voting by block 80% of the time, at least. If not, they will be ousted. Hmm. I mean, the, the main, you know, he covers a lot in that speech, but mainly what it comes down to is that Trump is disregarding things that he feels are important. Right. You know, environmental issues and, you know, human rights issues and. Um, yeah. And what really surprised me about about that gentleman in particular was that he wasn't afraid to talk about these issues as something that could be resolved mm -hmm. as something that is, is actually true to his heart. Because what I hear from major a majority of, of politicians now on the right side of the aisle is is. It seems to be fear-mongering and not really wanting to address some of those things. Now, to be fair, folks on the Democratic side a lot of the time also sort of fall into those into those traps of being able to, or of, but I guess what what I wanted to say is is politicians, you know, all across the board, they they really want to get to the emotional issues and they want to heighten yeah. the the intensity, the emotional intensity of 
of what is going on so that they can rile up the masses and get them get them going. That's and, why and they get talk about backing. abortion. That, yes. Like, that's why they nonstop talk about abortion. They talk about gun rights because that's the only thing that people care about. Right. They don't but, care about the economics. They don't care. They don't care about the stuff they can't easily understand. Mm-hmm. You know, they can easily understand that those fucking lefties want to murder babies and they can understand yeah. Those fucking lefties want to take our guns away. Like, they, you know, that's an easily understandable position to yeah. take. And so, yeah. of course, that's what they appeal to. And the, and the Democrats are guilty of that, too. Absolutely, they are. You reminded me of, um, they recently had one of those um, conversations at the college where they had the different um, uh, folks from Wyoming who had experience in, in the three branches of government. And, and they had uh, Pete Simpson. Mm-hmm. Uh, he was he was representing um, legislative, legislative branch, branch mm-hmm. and then they had a judge, and they also had uh, somebody else to, um, to do executive branch. Executive branch. Mm-hmm. I really like that that the Tribune did a recap on that particular event because that's the sort of shit that a lot of Wyoming folks need to need to look into and, and need to just get more of. I think is to hear it from from folks who were representing our state, which is very much a red state. And to hear from them that they, they're saying there needs to be more dialogue and less rhetoric, mm-hmm. more conversation and compromise that, you know, so that our branches of government are not as divided and that therefore the people are not, are not divided. Mm-hmm. And it's just, it's, it's an issue here. Mm-hmm. If, if I may be honest, I mean, how do you broach those conversations here? I don't. Exactly, but but that's the thing is is we have lost sight of how to be civil with one another, how to talk about difficult things. How do we how do we get going on that? Yeah, I don't know. <laughs> is that a possibility? Is there hope that we could that we could become that someday? Well, this this guy was very honest about the fact that that decision to change parties was not an easy one. Yeah. And it really came down to, can I, can I support the leader of our party in the 2020 election? And he said, no. I can't do that. I can't do it. Because I'm not a rank and file individual. Right. And that, I think that is the important thing to highlight is you shouldn't have to, I mean, it's, it's okay to, to vote in block and vote with your party if, if you do agree, but Take a moment to think about what you're actually agreeing to. Take a moment to have it make sense to you. And this is something that, again, highlighted by, this is something that was highlighted by Bernie as well when he had the town hall over at Fox, when he asked the audience, he asked them, do we want better health care for people, affordable health care? Everyone in the audience said yes. Mm-hmm. Do we want our veterans to be taken care of? Yes. And he highlighted a, hand, a couple of other things. And the entire group of people who was, who was assembled, except for the Fox panelists, agreed. Now, this is, this is a supposedly socialist scum who's going to take over America. Mm-hmm. But they were able to agree on a few basic things. That's because people don't understand what socialism is. They don't understand. They don't understand what democratic socialism is. Mm-hmm. Another thing about that, and I'm sorry, I'm, div- I'm digressing yeah, a little fine. bit, but Bernie made a lot of money selling yeah. his book. He became mm-hmm. a millionaire selling yeah. his, his latest book. And for some reason, people think that because you have a lot of money, you can't be a democratic socialist because Bernie's not handing out buckets of money to everybody <laughs> who walks by because he's suddenly a millionaire. Like, you motherfuckers, that's not what socialism that's, is. That's not... Okay, that, this isn't how it works, okay? Um. So, you know, of course, Bernie was like, um, I'm not going to apologize for selling, you know, having a best-selling book and making money. This right. is, uh, this because, is America. <laughs> because he is not selling uh, a, some deranged version of socialism. No. He is, he is an American. He believes in democracy, but he's highlighting the things that are already here. Yeah. We already have socialist elements built into our, our our government system. It's just that they're now socially accepted. Yeah. That's the reason that people are okay with it. Right. You know, and people thought that FDR was insane when he was instituting yeah. a lot of this shit, like like Social Security. Yeah, people and, thought he was Medicare. a fucking communist. Yeah. They're like, why, why are you doing this? Why are you taking our money? 
And so, now, if you even, if there's the, if there's yeah. even a breath that Social Security is going to go away, people get fucking pissed. Yeah. Rightly so. Yeah. You're you're paying into the system. Why not get something out of it? But we're still fucked anyway because. And that's happened with healthcare now. Mm. You know, Trump keeps saying let's fucking get rid of Obamacare, and everyone's like, um, no. Yeah. That's how I have health care. Exactly. So it, it's a very, it was a very brilliant move to to get something set when he had the chance. When Obama did it, it was it was the perfect time yeah. to do something like that because the idea is now in their minds and yeah. they won't want to let go of that. Yeah. So, we just have to make it better. Yeah. We just have to exactly. make it better. Um, so Andy McKean defecting to the Democratic Party. Might be the end of his career, like you said. Yeah. But I do think that, uh, you know, his morals are extremely clear. Yeah, and and he was okay believing in in what he believed. Yeah. I mean, he – and that's the shitty thing now is that why do we not have individuals in the limelight, in in these public spaces, who are able to – to just be honest, have a fucking clear thought about what you believe and what your morals are, what your yeah. values. Not don't give us fucking campaign slogans. Just tell us, tell us where you're coming from with this. I just think it comes that was down, refreshing. It comes down to the fact that those people don't represent us. They really don't. They don't represent us. They represent the people who are lining their pockets. Yeah. They represent. You know, they're betas. Oh, this, they're betas to the president. That's yeah. All they, they just are. surrender. Surrender to the to the cause. Yeah. Right. And I love that you brought this up because you reminded me of the fact that we had Barrasso, we had Enzi and we had Cheney at a banquet here in town, mm-hmm. but it was a private affair. Yeah, what a surprise. So they didn't even talk to, I'm to their sure it was like, I'm sure it was, it was a, a business dinner. I'm sure it was a crazy amount of money to get into. Yeah. Yeah. So this is the issue. This is the issue is that these folks are just have no, no bearing on, on the daily lives of working people and they're not interested in investigating what that's like so that they can report it and, and do their due diligence to, to represent you to the best of their abilities. And, and I'm sorry, but I feel that way about, about the Democrats sometimes too, Mm -hmm. you know, as much as I'll, I'll say, I will proudly vote Democrat if I have to. I mean, but I voting third party doesn't get you anywhere. Yeah. Cause voting third party doesn't get you anywhere. Um, but it's, it's an issue in our, in, in our democracy. Um, what, what else did we want to talk about here with, with Andy before we wrap up? Um, do you want me to just wrap it up? We can, we've talked about it at length. It, it seems. Yeah. I think that's probably good. And so, uh, for lack of a better closing on this, we just wanted to commend, this particular gentleman for taking a moment to just listen to his conscience mm-hmm. and doing what he thinks is best, mm-hmm. regardless of what his party is going to think of him. Regardless of what his constituents are going to say. Yeah. But I I just don't think that anyone should hold anything against him because he is speaking from the heart and he was very logical about it as well. And I think that is so commendable in the public space. Yeah. Yeah, I can't imagine it was an easy decision, and he explained his decision very well. Yeah. Very logically. Yeah. I, I was going to say, thank you for speaking your mind in in the uh, in this tainted uh, agora, which is what I've learned from David Simon. <laughs> <laughs> if you want to talk about that while we get ready for the next segment. Yeah. <laughs> so the last segment we want to talk about is Coachella. Ah, uh, Coachella. So tell me about Coachella. Coachella is a music festival, music and arts festival. I heard it was a magical place that <laughs> had giant fireflies so, and art installations in the desert. It's true. So Coachella was started in 1999. Well, okay. So initially... Yeah, and let's let's backtrack a bit because I want to get a crash course on where Coachella came from. Okay. Because you found out a lot of interesting so, things. According to Wikipedia, Coachella uh, is an annual music festival held in the Empire Polo Club in Indio, California. 
I wanted to find that. Well, you you can just oh, mention it to here me. Here we go. Okay. Okay, so the festival's origins um, actually trace back to 1993 concert that Pearl Jam did at that same location, the Empire Polo Club, while they were boycotting venues controlled by Ticketmaster. Mm. It is known so, as one of the big fights in, in the music industry. Yeah. Pearl Jam just... Uh, and so sort of as a an answer to that, people realized, oh... There's a market for this. There's a market for large events mm-hmm. like that Pearl Jam concert in these big spaces. Mm-hmm. And the inaugural Coachella Festival was held in October of 1999, just three months after the Woodstock 99 concert. Yeah. thought that was really fitting in that Woodstock is kind of, it became a real big shit show or followed in its tradition of being a, a shit show. Yeah. And passed off the baton to, to Coachella. And yeah. I think they did a much better job of of creating something more sustainable in the long run. Right. Yeah. And so now it's, it's, you know, one of the longest running music festivals. Yeah. And the reason we wanted to focus on this, uh, was that we were looking back on a DVD that I purchased back in 2006, which had just come out. It was a recap of the first five or six years of Coachella and, highlighted performances it's one of my favorite my favorite dvds that i've i've owned and i'm looking at the box here and from the first couple of years we're talking about arcade fire bell and sebastian bjork bright eyes the chemical brothers the crystal method fisher spooner the flaming lips iggy and the stooges cool keith the mars volta morrissey newmark and uh cut chemist Oasis, The Pixies, Polyphonic Spree, Radiohead, Red Hot Chili Peppers, Saul Williams, Spearhead, Square Pusher, The White Stripes, Zero Seven, Beck, and a fuck ton more. I mean, this this was sort of the mecca that I would have loved to visit had I had the opportunity to do that. Mm-hmm. But back in the day, I didn't learn about this until it had already happened a year and a half later yeah because i didn't even have a computer at home yeah and i got my computer when i i got to to college yeah you know but in in the spirit of of something that that just changed so drastically in in the last what is it 15 years or so we wanted to look back on this particular dvd which i know that will become one of the one of the great documentary films on on music and uh music festivals in general it it did such a great job and the performances are amazing. But I'm very, very biased. I'm just gonna throw that out there. This this is the music that I I am completely and totally infatuated with and was the, the soundtrack to a lot of those adventures, you know, how in high school were incredibly impressionable, you know, and, and leading into college, those are really seminal moments in, in people's lives. So that was the soundtrack to my life. Yeah. A lot of Radiohead, a lot of Wilco and uh and Beck. Yeah. So what are your thoughts on this to get to get going? Um so that Coachella DVD was pretty eye opening, <laughs> also not knowing about the music festival at all. Mm-hmm. Um and yeah, a lot of that music was incredibly important to me and that would have been that would have been like the highlight of my young life to go. Yeah. So who go would you have gone out to see? Like if you, that if you're, year? yeah, well, yeah. in the first, in the first six, six years. Oh, cause that's a compilation. Yeah. Uh, arcade fire, um, Beck. I don't have it in front of me. Yeah. Um, here, you. <laughs> take a- Let's see. Who would I have seen? Arcade fire, Bell and Sebastian. I knew of Foo fighters were there. Foo fighters, bright eyes. Um, the flaming lips I would have seen Oasis, the Pixies. Yeah, probably. and maybe maybe we'll we'll do a better job at this if mm-hmm. we actually take a look at the lineups because mm-hmm. we had uh, the article over here. Did I have it? Or so in the documentary they talk about they they do some interviews with like the organizer and you know the some of the attend the people who are going to the festival. And it's clear that Coachella began as a sort of underground indie. It began music as a festival. fringy, like the Very alternative yeah, to, punk to rock mainstream alternative scene. Yeah. Um, and you know, that's that obviously was extremely attractive to to yeah. to us as young people and 
um, you know, you can kind of, if you look at the lineups, you can sort of see the evolution of how that has changed. Mm-hmm. And you showed me the most disturbing video I've ever seen. Oh, yeah. Regarding in, Coachella. In in preparation for this, uh, we we happened to stumble upon a video where somebody went out this uh, last weekend when the second weekend of Coachella was coming to a close, and they were asking people, "How did you get your Coachella ticket?" And I'll I'll let you explain because I love how you you frame disgust. When it comes to these, these so the first girl they interviewed was like, "My dad paid for them," and he's like, "Oh, you asked your dad?" And she's like, "No, I just put in his credit card information because I haven't memorized." Oh, Jesus Christ! Cue the vomiting. <laughs> then the second one was like, "I slept with a guy, and he gave me Coachella tickets," and they were like, "Oh, that's good." Oh, Jesus! And Christ. then the third lady they talked to. She was an Instagram. She was an Instagram influencer. Influencer, quote unquote. We always have to do the, do the, the quotes. Yeah, quotes. To be fair, she at least worked for a living and had bought her own tickets. Yeah. It seemed that she had a business plan. She so. had a business. <laughs> Good for her. Yeah. Uh, and then there was that stupid guy who's, he literally said he was a socialite. Yeah, it's like it's you know it's more of a socialite situation. Like it's that for I'm, the parties. Like I'm here for the parties. Like what the like, fuck what? are you talking about? Okay, that's fine. That's fine. It's your your best okay. life. So yes. I don't. Judging from the documentary that we just watched, the crowd has changed <laughs> just a little bit. <laughs> yeah, just looking um, at well, well, I'm fitting timing because here we're looking at 1999's lineup. Mm-hmm. The main guys were Beck. Tool and Rage Against the Machine. Yeah. Compare that to the 2019 lineup, mm-hmm. and I'm going to look it up right now. Mm-hmm. The 2019, the 2019. <laughs> oh my my number oh, lock is. Uh... Sorry, it got lost in all of the tabs. I have like 15 <laughs> tabs open. Uh, as you can tell, I got distracted. Oh, it doesn't have anything now. I have it right here. Why do you have so many tabs open? Because I was trying to be prepared, but (laughs) apparently that was a complete clusterfuck. So, okay, compare that lineup to Coachella this year. The headliners are Childish Gambino, Tame Impala, and Ariana Grande. What's the second one? Tame Impala. Tame Impala? Tame Impala. Oh, okay. You haven't heard of that band? No. It's it's like a it's a big band. I oh, okay. I haven't listened to them. Tame, like to tame? To tame. Okay. And Impala isn't a car. Like isn't car? that a car? I'm yeah. sure it means something else, but yeah. so Okay, anyway. But but just look at the the complete <sighs> yeah, contrast there. Mm-hmm. Because those folks like uh you know, obviously Childish Gambino, I mean, he is one of the biggest stars in the world right now. Mm-hmm. Very, very mainstream. Not that Rage is Against he? the Machine wasn't it. Yeah, I mean, yeah. and Ariana Grande, I mean, she's closing the goddamn festival. Yeah, she's queen of pop, man. Yeah, the right year now. before Beyonce, right? Yeah. So we're looking at a completely different market. Obviously, you know, times have changed. Music is is different a little bit now. I guess. There's a preference. There's, there's other preferences. I think the festival has changed. I don't think there's any there's a lack of punk and alternative and indie music. I just mm-hmm. think the festival has changed. Yeah, they've shifted, and it was <laughs> it was kind of uh, ironic there that you had this guy that was being interviewed, and I can't remember if he, if he was a journalist or or somebody attending the the festival. I think he was just someone attending it. But he he put it very very concisely when he was saying that Coachella at that point in time when it first started was a refuge from these mainstream yeah. things and of course these major projects and undertakings are so passionate and so unique that ultimately if successful enough they will start veering into yeah, the mainstream that's a and and so it tends to be a pretty you know popular thing cuz it happened to Woodstock too yeah i mean they see and i don't i feel a little bit conflicted about this because i really I don't hold a grudge against popular music. Right. Okay. Right. I like popular music. Mm-hmm. As as confirmed by Taylor Swift. And, yeah. Uh, I like you know, Beyonce. I like Taylor Swift. I mm-hmm. even like Ariana Grande to some extent. Mm-hmm. But I don't. But that's fine. I, but 
at the same time, I feel like why can't they have their own thing? Why do they have to infect <laughs> what was so cool? You know, like Coachella was cool. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's still cool, but it's cool for different reasons yeah, now. Yeah, by our standards, I it, guess. It, yeah, I, don't know. And, and I that's, feel like I'm alienating half our audience. No, but. but this is this is important to talk about because we have to take into account the shift in in the entertainment industry and how back when we were when we were growing up, high school and college, this is what was popular: alternative, rock heavy. Um, you know. Uh, prog rock you know in in a way that's just it's it's a snapshot of mm -hmm. of something that will always change it will always be in flux and now the tide has shifted a bit in into being more like a dance hip-hop you know that sort of thing that is the mainstream right now i, and I thought the, the point of coachella in the beginning was not to be mainstream right but that that brings up the other factor of it which is that Coachella became a corporation. Coachella became a huge enough entity that it didn't have to be at the fringes. It had the option of either stay on the outside of, of this mainstream realm of, of impact and influence. And, and so what do you do when you're a business? You, if you have the option, I mean, you're, you're gonna, you're gonna go for the money. It's all about the bottom line, guys. Yeah. But it, you know, the important thing to keep in mind, though, is that I'm sure it's Coachella as it is now is providing a lot of happiness and exciting memories and, and fulfillment for a lot of people. Yeah. But it's just not catering to to people like you and me mm -hmm. because the music. I mean, we we do have to find it elsewhere, but it's still there. Mm -hmm. It's still there. Well, and I I didn't really look at the entire lineup for 2019, so maybe there was. You know, obviously the headliners are the headliners, but there's yeah. so many. Like, I like that guy see, said. Yeah. The guy said the cool thing about Coachella is that two people's experiences of Coachella can be completely different. Right. So one person can say, "I saw these six to twelve shows," and then he's like, "Oh, well, that's not the Coachella that I experienced because yeah. there's so much going on." Yeah. So maybe there's other acts <clears throat> that were at Coachella this past year that are more our lane. I just, I don't know any of these bands. Well, can I read some of them? Yeah, yeah. But I did see that uh, Idris Elba was going to be doing his, his oh. set, his work. So maybe, you know, that, that could have been Another thing, before I read these, um, if you look at some of the older lineups, and this sort of reinforces what you said earlier, that that hip-hop and that sort of, that pop has sort of become mainstream again. Mm -hmm. In those older lineups... Yeah. The headliners were more rock, prog rock. Oh, of course. Whereas look if you look further down the bill, yeah. that's where the hip hop and the, you know Yeah. That those sort of artists are. They're yeah. they're lower on the bill because maybe they weren't they weren't as mainstream at that point in time. Yeah. But I do think that looking at, at the lineups Let's see if I recognize any I these. totally, totally would have killed for the two thousand four lineup. Mm -hmm. I mean, that was the fucking year. Mm -hmm. That was the the one to end, to okay. end them all. So I'm gonna go through some of these that I recognize. So the first, Billie Eilish is on here. Hmm. Weezer. Um. Yeah, I don't recognize a lot of these bands, guys. I don't recognize I'm, any of them. I'm old. <laughs> um, Alice Merton. She sings that song that our son loves. The Got roots no song. Roots. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, she likes him. That's it. a jam. Um, yeah, so I don't know any of these bands. Largely have to come to terms with the fact that we just are out of touch. Yeah, and and that's totally cool. That's fine. That's fine. But let's take a moment to rejoice in that because I gotta tell you, 2004 was fucking outstanding. Mm -hmm. Okay, look at this lineup: Radiohead, The Pixies, Kraftwerk, Wilco. Headlining the first day. Mm -hmm. And at the bottom, you have all these fucking awesome bands, too. Mm -hmm. You have The Rapture. You have Stereolab. De Death Cab for Cutie is at, on, like, the fifth. The fifth one down there. Kinky's pretty good. LCD Sound System mm -hmm. is, like, way buried at the bottom. So they were just about to get into the mainstream there. And then on the second day, you have The Cure, Flaming Lips, Air, Bell and Sebastian, uh, Bright Eye somewhere in here. And then further down, this is fucking great, though. The two that stick out right now, 
at the very bottom. Mm -hmm. Check this out. 2004, you have Danger Mouse and The Killers. The Killers at the fucking bottom. Yeah. Like, they hadn't even made it big. That's crazy. But I am so, so biased. So, I'm sorry Muse. if you guys... Oh, Muse was Muse like, yeah, it was all the way down, down the, the list. <laughs> yeah. And it just, it warms my heart in such a way that it's cyclical and, and eventually... You know, the folks who are enjoying the festival now will go through those emotions and realize, you know what? I like the festival better 20 years ago. Yeah. Because that was my jam. Yeah. It's just, that's so, how it is. Yeah. And so this isn't an attack on any music lover because we all deserve to have that escape. And I'm not one to judge because I have weird taste in music, but just continue, continue to support some of these entities. Uh, if you're not into Coachella, then go and find something else like Bonnaroo. Or maybe some of the fucking weird festivals out in the... Sasquatch. I really wanted to go to oh, Sasquatch. Oh, no, Sasquatch is over. Really? I think they... I think it's canceled. I don't think they do it anymore. Oh. Is that Belly? She was making... She was... She went... Mm. Is she dreaming? No, she was just breathing. Oh, interesting. Um, yeah, I... Um, there's a lot of other options if, Co if Coachella's not your jam. But and if music, if music festivals are not your, if if camping out for three days in the hot desert sun yeah. with limited uh, toilet facilities <laughs> and a lot of drugs going on and possibly, uh, yeah, you know, public fornication, yeah, that <laughs> maybe that's not for you. Maybe you should just go to a concert, you know, yeah. closer to home. Yeah, there are these other elements, and that's why I think it's hilarious to even talk about this because. We do go to, to concerts we regularly. To go to, we go to see shows. We, we try we, to go a couple times a year. We get out there quite a bit on, on just on that front. But Maddie and I are not really outgoing people in that sense where we're going to go and have an experience, quote unquote. We're not going to drop thousands of dollars to go to the Bahamas to see if a festival is even going to be there. <laughs> you know, we're not that kind of, you know, impulsive people. Um, but there's so many other factors that... If you're going to go to one of these festivals, you're going to have to commit to it 100%. And you're not just going to get the the pros. You're also going to have to deal with the cons of, of this kind of adventure. We go to a music festival here in Wyoming every year yeah. called yeah. Oyster Ridge Music Festival. Which is, which is a fucking blast. And I'm going to take a moment to give these guys a shout out. Speaking of music festivals, this is Wyoming's gem. And we need to be as supportive as humanly possible because... These folks are offering a free festival. And let me repeat that. That is a free music festival, not just for one day or two days. It's a three-day music festival where they not only bring top-notch talent in the bluegrass or, or folk field, but they also they also like cater to a lot of different genres. Mm -hmm. And it's such a fucking treat to get to go there every single year to Kemmer. It's a great festival. And more than anything, we need to support the little town of Kemmer now because they're going through, they're going through a lot. All of the shit that they're going through with the, with the coal mine. And, mm -hmm. you know, again, another tragedy that's going on where our thoughts are with them because there's miners who have invested their entire life, livelihoods on the coal mine and they're getting their pensions ripped from their hands. Mm -hmm. And that's just not right. So mm -hmm. as a, as a Wyoming community as a whole, we need to, stand up and try to back them up in some way mm -hmm. so that they can generate some business with with something like this. Yeah. Because this is the sort of shit that if done right on this level, on a local quote unquote level, can bring excitement and and business to to a community that that, you know, would greatly, greatly benefit from it. Yeah. Yeah. And I mean that's really our only experience with a music festival. We just Music festivals are expensive, you guys. They're like they, yeah. three to five hundred dollars, <laughs> yeah. and that's just like baseline yeah. for the three day pass. Three to five hundred dollars you're looking to drop. That's not including flights. That's not including a hotel if you do that. You know, that's not including drinks or food. I mean, that's just the baseline. Yeah. So it's expensive, um, and so the really only experience we have with a music festival is Oyster Ridge, and you know, it's for some for people who are not. Um, <laughs> extroverted or, you know, super adventurous mm -hmm. music festivals can be challenging. Yeah. Um, overwhelming, overwhelming, you know, the, the days get kind of long and anyway, the point is 
it's it's an experience to yeah. go to a music festival. Right. And if you're if you're a music lover and that's what you like to do is to see live music, mm-hmm. a music festival is the most efficient way to, to just s- get all your ducks in a row, see get them all so done. much music in one weekend. Yeah. Um you know, there's a lot of them around Wyoming, but Oyster Ridge really takes the cake, in my opinion. Yeah. And, you know, if you're into Coachella and you have the money and you can go, then go. go for it. Yeah. Uh, I'm sure it'll be great, you know. And, and within the lineup, regardless of who the headliners are, you will find someone that you want to want that you want to see. Yeah. Um. But, you know, like we said, the, the Coachella of 10, 10 plus years ago was our Coachella. Yeah, and this now is younger people's Coachella. <laughs> I love that. It was it was our Coachella, but we never actually set foot in Coachella. No. But yeah. we really connected with with the music and the way it captured our time. Yeah, because it was our time. It's like a time capsule. That yeah. DVD, that DVD is like a time capsule yeah. for me. And it's so fucking great. I mean, yeah. the performances in that in that it's video really are amazing. Good. And I was telling you, uh, the the closing song that they use on that DVD is zero seven yeah um which is a track that i have been using as a um as a template temp score for when i was doing weddings Mm. last year because i i gotta tell you guys when i was doing videos for weddings i I was so burned out last year and i was so tired that i just i needed to do something to keep me engaged so uh this song it was um um from their second album I just put it in there as a temp so that I could do montages and, you know, for the highlight and everything before I put the, the actual music on there. What's the song called? Um, it's, um, it's called This World. Mm. And I love that song so much. I've cut, I cut like three or four different wedding highlights on that song. Mm-hmm. And because it's, it's so like life affirming and it's beautiful and peaceful and just hopeful. Mm-hmm. It's a hopeful song. And I was so tired when I was when I was wrapping up on those weddings that I really didn't want any, anything to do with it. But it reminded me that that's a song that I've carried with me for 15 years. And here it is still giving me the same kind of joy mm-hmm. that it that it gave me back then. Can I tell you which one gives me the most joy? Yeah. Fisher Spooner. <laughs> yeah, let's let's talk about Fisher Spooner so, because on and off it it just continues I to. I think about it still to this day. Like I hadn't seen that DVD in years. Yeah. So <laughs> and I was still thinking. I was still like, that's the one I want to watch. Yeah. <clears throat> um, I don't know. I don't know what Fisher Spooner is. It's some sort of weird techno type music. Yeah. Um, but that for some reason that perform. It's like a maybe a minute and a half performance like yeah they, it's a highlight it's a yeah highlight. they they only did a, a couple of minutes but yeah. what what i thought was curious we saw this you know back when we first did and you were like i have to get that song i have to yeah. get into this band but then you went to get it and because it's that trance like techno music yeah it was completely it was a polar opposite of the actual coachella performance yeah and then i remember like no, I just want. I just want. I that. want that. Yeah, I don't want in the my record- ears. Yeah. I don't want the recorded version. Yeah, the recorded version was so disappointing <laughs> compared to what I had first been yeah. exposed to. Yeah. Because it was that kind of like trancey, um, yeah, just, drone kind I, of. Yeah, we should link. I don't know if the videos on YouTube. I'll try to find we should it. Link it because I can't explain what it makes me feel like. He's screaming and he's in this weird sparkly suit and he has booty dancers and with like feather head, yeah. like hair diadems and like. Yeah. And the people are loving it too. They're, yeah. they're just fucking and rabid. Just, I just love, I just love musicians screaming. I think that's what it is. Yeah. <laughs> no, like but they're screaming to the back of the tent. You no, know? it's that they're emoting in the way that, yeah. that we want to. Yeah. At the, at the. At the level that that we want to project our emotions. Yeah. So this guy, you could obviously tell, he was very well versed in just being a good performer. Yeah, it's very theatrical. Be- because, yeah, he was thinking of those theatrics like, where's my mark? Yeah. You know, looking at the presentation as a whole. That's true. And when they were interviewing, he was asking the right questions about right. how to get to, like, the nosebleeds so yeah, that yeah, they... Yeah. They heard it. So it was like 100% a theatrical experience. So, it's still like, it just like gives me yeah, chills yeah. thinking about it. 
and it was a, a lot of fun. Yeah. Just watching it. I'm I like, am, oh, I wish I could have been there. I'm going to look more into them. Yeah. Just Give I, them a second pass. I, yeah. I mean, that was like 15 years ago that I did that. And I was like, this is lame. But now I think <laughs> I should revisit it. Yeah. But that was, that was pretty fucking good. Yeah. So anyway, I don't know if this is even available anymore. It is available. I looked it up on oh, Amazon. Good. and it's, What it is is Golden Voice Presents Coachella. That's that's yeah. the title. It's the highlight film for the first couple of years. And you'll find it real easy if you just type in, in, in on Amazon just uh, Coachella documentary. Yeah. It's right now used available for like $2. Oh, like nice. you can get the DVD really cheap. And it has amazing, amazing performances. It's great. Like Yoshimi. Oh, God. The Flaming Lips. We haven't yes. even talked about The Flaming Lips. Oh, it's it. Yeah. That I was love... my introduction to the Flaming Lips. Yeah, my I too. started listening to them after that. Yeah. <clears throat> but so good. You just feel like it, it brings back a lot of memories. So yeah. I'm just incredibly fond of that time. It's very nostalgic. Yeah. It's very nostalgic. And we could go on for days, but uh, I think maybe we should do a quick tink to it and just uh, let folks uh, take off. and Tink to Co- our Coachella. Our Coachella. <laughs> Sorry, guys. <laughs> you guys can have your own Coachella. We'll oh. Keep on. Just as a side note, <laughs> side yeah, note, yeah. Uh, there were 250 plus herpes cases per day at Coachella this year. The new Coachella, not our Coachella, yeah. because that they oh, weren't keeping on. track of that information. It was the we're clap just, back then. So. Yeah, but we're not going to talk about it because our Coachella was better. <laughs> Let's not so, smirch the memory yes, of chlamydia. Please. Um, yeah, so, you know, um, <laughs> so this is something that that I'm having trouble grasping a little bit is that young people are not wearing condoms when they engage in sexual activity. According to Dr. Drew Pinsky, who is amazing, who is amazing, (laughs) has talked to many young people as Mm -hmm. a physician. And, you know, he does like talks, like sex talks with teens and young people Mm -hmm. and none, they're not wearing condoms. And he's like, fucking scary. um, I need to, apparently I need to start up love line again because yeah, you people aren't wrapping your shit. Yeah. Um, so, yeah. Herpes. That's a thing. Yeah. I think... I don't I don't even know. I mean, it's going to take another podcast episode to really talk about that can of worms. But nope. um, for the time being, just remember, there's just a whole lot of herpes going around. So, next time you go on a music festival adventure, be safe. Take care of yourself. And uh, we're going to call it a night, folks. Have a good night. Peace.